ಶನ್ನೋ ಮಿತ್ರಶಂ ವರುಣ ಶನ್ನೋವತ್ವರ್ಯಮಂದ್ರ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿ ಶನ್ನೋ ವಿಷ್ಣುರುಕ್ರಮ ನಮೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣೆ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಸಿ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ಸತ್ಯಂ ವದಿಷ್ಯಾಮಿ ತನ್ಮಾವದು ತದ್ವಕ್ತಾರಮವದು ಮಾತು ವಕ್ತಾರಂ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಭ್ಯೋಧ್ಯಮೃತಾತ್ಸಂಬೂವ ಸೇಂದ್ರ ಮೇಧಯಸ್ಪೃಣೋ ತಸ್ಯಧಾರಣೋಭೂಯಸ ಶರೀರ ಮೇ ವಿಚರ್ಷಣ ಜಿಹ್ವಾ ಮೇ ಮಧುಮತ್ತಮ ಕರ್ಣಾಭ್ಯಾಂಭೂರಿ ವಿಶ್ರುವ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ ಕೋಶಿ ಮೇಧಯಾತ ಮೇ ಗೋಪಾಯ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಅಹಂವೃಕ್ಷರೇರಿವ ಕೀರ್ತಿ ಪೃಷ್ಠಂಗಿರೇರಿವ ಊರ್ಧ್ವಪವಿತ್ರೋವಾಜಿನೀವಸ್ವೃತಮಸ್ಮೆ ದ್ರವಿಣಗುಂಸವರ್ಚಸ ಸುಮೇಧಾಮೃತೋಕ್ಷಿತೇತ್ರಿಶಂಕೋರ್ವೇದಾನುವಚನ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮಿದೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯೂರ್ಣಮಾಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯದೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವ ಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಪಂಥ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾ 
आत्मेरे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमवत व्याप्त देहाय दक्षिणामूर्त अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्धये आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैतभानग अतीतद्वैत गुरूनाराध्य वेदात गुरूनाराध्य वेदात सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे सारम वक्ष्ये यथामे we are now discussing the five niyamas the particular discipline or what is now to be done yama is what is to be avoided and niyama is what is to be done shaucha santosha tapah swadhyaya ishvara pranidhanani niyamah shaucha is cleanliness or purity santosha contentment tapah austerity or penance swadhyaya study or repetition and ishvara pranidhana the meditation or worship of god worship of lord these are the five niyamas niyam means rules so these are the five rules or vows or disciplines that you observe as we said in order to cultivate an inner purity in order to cultivate the inner strength yesterday we were discussing shaucha cleanliness or purity to say that this cleanliness or purity is called for both external as well as internal external cleanliness we are all familiar with internal cleanliness is what we disc- were discussing also yesterday to keep the mind clean keep the mind free from the impurities and what is called an impurity impurity is that that creates a conflict in my mind which disturbs my mind which agitates agitates my mind which creates a storm and restlessness in my mind that would be called impurity anything that does that is called impurity and what is purity purity is when the mind is quiet when the mind is cheerful when the mind is pure transparent that is what we call the purity of the mind <clears throat> to talk in the language of gita when the mind is satvik when there is a predominance of sattva guna then we say that the mind is pure when there is a predominance of rajas and tamas then we say that the mind is impure bhagavad gita talks about the rajoguna rajas lobhah pravrtiram vararambha karmanam ashamaspraha when this rajoguna becomes predominant in the mind then lobha there is greed pravrti all kinds of activity doing this that and what not constant activity karmanam arambha undertaking of various actions ashamah restlessness of mind 
and spruha, a further and further craving for pleasures and enjoyments. So this state of mind is what we call rajas. And what is tamas? Aprakashaha, apravrtihi, mohami vachipandava. Aprakashaha, dullness of the mind, its inability to understand or grasp. It is the nature of the mind to know, but then even when the object of knowledge is there, and still I am not able to see or grasp, that is what we call aprakashaha, when the mind is not able to understand things. Aprabhuttihi, there is the occasion to do something, and still there is no motivation to do, so lack of motivation to do something is called aprabhutti. And on account of the dullness, inability to understand or see is aprakashaha. And moha, delusion, taking things to be other than, just opposite of what they are. What is dharma or righteousness is looked upon as a dharma. And what is a dharma or vice or unrighteousness is taken to be righteousness. So this kind of distortion of the mind is what is the result of tamas. So rajas and tamas are the impurities of the mind. <coughs> and we should be observant about this and when these things arise, we should be alert and vigilant to deal with them. So when the mind over, is overcome by tamas, when there is dullness and whatever, then engage the mind into some activity so that tamas or dullness is to be overcome by what we call rajas or activity. So it's better to do something rather than just be idle or lazy. So instead of idleness and laziness and inadvertence, it is better that we all sleep and whatever, it is better that you do something. Even if it is meant for personal benefit, it's bad doing is better than not doing. And when the mind is agitated by getting things and by greed and by uh, enjoyment, seeking pleasure, etc., then that rajas is to be slowly replaced by what we call sattva. <coughs> well, in terms of this purity of the mind also, we discussed yesterday that we can identify some of the common impurities. As we said, anger is a common impurity. Jealousy is a common impurity. Resentment is another impurity. Uh, sense of retaliation, another impurity. Even sense of self-condemnation or self-rejection, also impurity. So when these things arise, then we know that we just get disturbed. The mind gets totally disturbed. And so when these things arise, as we said, if these thoughts build up, then they gather a tremendous momentum and completely unsettle me. And therefore, even as these thoughts are seen to arise, they should be dealt with. They should be dealt with by the method called Pratipaksha Bhavana. By creating deliberately an opposite thought wave, which will neutralize this negative thought wave, is a process called Pratipaksha Bhavana. <coughs> and what is the Pratipaksha Bhavana for anger? <coughs> anger arises at someone. Why does anger arise? Because there is hatred. Or because there is a rejection. Because my desire has not been fulfilled, my demand has not been fulfilled, therefore there is an anger. And so, when I am angry at someone because someone has offended me, then the make, to make the mind see the inoffensive part of the person. So by Seeing the offensive part of that person, the mind gets angry. By seeing the negative aspect of the person, the mind gets angry. Because the person has done something wrong to me, he has offended me. 
then I make my mind see also those occasions when the person may have been kind to me, may have helped me. <coughs> so this is the Pratipaksha Bhavana. They say that anger should be replaced by love. Um, love is not that easy. It's difficult, you know, somebody said, Swami, how? When I just hate this person, how is it possible to replace that feeling by love? I said, anyway, why do you hate that person? Because he has offended me, because he insulted me. All right. Then, see that person also being helping you, being kind to you. And there may be occasions when he has done that to you. No, he has never done that to me. He always uh, hurt me, you know. All right. Maybe that person hopefully helps someone else. Suppose he has always hurt you. That person has in him anyway something. Because inherently everybody is good. As we said, Inherently every mind is pure, and inherently everybody is good. That purusha and prakriti, the purusha, the person is inherently good. It is prakriti where all these difficulties are, what we call the personality. So person and the personality, the person is inherently good, regardless of where he is, even the greatest criminal also, the person is the same good one. Except that that person is totally... Uh, obstructed, that expression is obstructed or clouded on account of this personality, which is something which has been acquired, which is the product of aviveka or non-discrimination. And as we said, we cannot blame somebody for being non-discriminate or ignorant because nobody has created ignorance. So all we can say in general is, all the negativities, faults or defects that we find in the people, all of them are not the nature of the people, they are something that they have inadvertently or unwittingly acquired and not knowing that they are damaging, they, seem, they might be even holding on to them. But all of these things are negative. So, when there is a resentment, when there is anger, we make the mind see this, the fact of life. It is not that we are brainwashing into believing that everything is good. It happens to be so. And therefore, we want to deal with facts. We don't want to deal with simply make-believe things. But the fact is, as Lord Krishna says, Kshetrajnam Chabhimam Vidhi Sarva Kshetreshu Bharata. He Bharata, he Arjuna, may you understand that in all the personalities, all the Kshetra, all the personalities, I am the person. And so, may we make our mind see that person. The mind that always sees a personality and reacts to it. Either way, even attachment or running after thing also is a reaction. And aversion, running away from thing also is a reaction. And therefore, whenever we relate to the personality, there is always going to be some reaction or the other, only when we see the person. And this is Vedanta. Vedanta is, person is real and personality is unreal. Person is true and personality is mithya everywhere. And so that mithya personality is there and we shift our, constantly seek to shift the focus of our attention from the personality to the person. And then everything will be solved. Any kind of a negative feeling that arises only arises because of looking at the personality. Even jealousy, anything. We can give psychological also methods. Why does jealousy arise? Because I see somebody rising and somebody making, doing well and somebody superior to me and that reminds me of my inferiority and therefore there is jealousy. Then as we said, the practical method would be to congratulate the person because the person has achieved something for which I have value. Even though I have not been able to achieve, at least other person has achieved for which I have value, therefore let me congratulate. Yoga Shastra gives very nice method 
of dealing in day-to-day life. Maitri, Mudita, Karuna and Upeksha. These are the four uh, methods of relating to different kinds of people is what Yoga Shastra tells us. Four kinds of people we come across. People who are like us or who are happy. So people who are happy, that's what we come across. Secondly, we come across people who are unhappy. Thirdly, we come across people who are great. And fourthly, we come across people who are wretched, you know, or enemical. So, four kinds of people. We classify them. Whether they are there or not is a different thing. But we generally classify people like this. He's a great person. Other person is a rascal or a wretched fellow. So, he's always enemical to me. Other one is a happy person. And fourth one is a sad or unhappy or a miserable person. These are the four kinds of persons that we come across. When we see a happy person, usually we feel jealous of that person, you know. Generally speaking, when we see a person happy, there is jealousy. So the irsha or jealousy arises when we see someone happy. Because we are not happy and therefore we are jealous. So Yoga Shastra says, Whenever you come across a happy person, make friends with him. Maitri. Maitri or friendship is the way of relating to people who are happy. Understand that the happiness is due to something good that they have done. And therefore, in company of the happy people, you are also happy. And therefore, make friends with the people who are happy. (coughs) When we see an unhappy person or a person who is sad or whatever, or person... You know, uh, then generally speaking, there is a certain uh, dislike for such persons. So, very often a dislike arises in our mind when you see a person who is, who is sad, unhappy, suffering, sick and what not. So then Yoga Shastra says, have karuna, have compassion for the people. So those who do not possess the kind of virtues that you have, you know, is because they are not, they do not have that benefit that you have, and there were people who are suffering, people who are, uh, uh, who are not happy, for them have compassion. So compassion for the people who are unhappy. Friendship with the people who are happy. And reverence for the people who are great. So respect and reverence for the people who are great. And if we have that reverence, then we should also learn from them. We have to learn from the great people. And then we have to become like that. And that is done when we have this mudita, when we are happy, when we revere or when we respect them, then in very often when we see a person who is great, then sometimes we, we uh, find faults with them. That's another. That's what our mind does. So when a person is honest, or a person is self I mean righteous and what not. Our mind sometimes seeks to find some faults there. This is Gunayeshu Dosha Vishkaranam. This is called Asuya. Asuya means a, a particular quality, not quite jealousy, but an Asuya. Asuya is where there is Guna or virtue, the mind wants to see the vice. When in fact there is some good quality, mind wants to superimpose something bad. So a person is genuinely good, you say, look, the fellow is hypocrite. You know, he is showing, he shows off. Things like that. Because we cannot stand something good. 
says, all right, whenever you find such people, respect them, revere them, be happy. <coughs> so be happy for the people who achieved. Make friends with the people who are like you, who are happy. Have compassion for the people who are not as privileged as you are. And the fourth class of people who you find are somehow, they resent you, they dislike you, or they insult you, or they hurt you. There are people like that also, which you don't understand. Then instead of being hurt, or insulted, or then upeksha. So, be indifferent to them. Not ignore them, but be indifferent. Be indifferent to whatever treatment they give you. So, knowing that it is their nature, and therefore, they are simply following their nature. They cannot be other than what they are. What can a mosquito do to you? A mosquito only can bite you. What can a scorpion do to you? Scorpion can only sting you. What will a dog do to you? He will bark at you. So it is a nature. And how we accept the nature of all those creatures and therefore we have no complaint against them. And similarly also we find human beings who sometimes bark at you, sometimes sting you, sometimes bite you. And so we have to understand that it is their nature and accordingly accept them for what they are. This is called indifference. Indifference does not mean resentment. Indifference means an understanding that this is the nature of things. <coughs> that that is what they are and they are therefore not capable of changing themselves and whatever. So this method of Maitri, Mudita, Karuna and Upeksha. Maitri, friendship. Mudita, being happy. Karuna, being compassionate. And Upeksha, being indifferent meaning accepting things. If we have this, then our mind will not be disturbed in our dealings with people. This is the method that suggests to maintain what we call the cheerfulness of the mind. So, shaucham, purity or cleanliness of the mind also means a cheerful mind. <coughs> so, this is shaucham. And this is a constant thing to do. Constantly, we should alertly be watching our mind as these negative or impure, what you call impure means negative or disturbing. Let's not call it impure or negative, but let's say the thoughts which disturb our mind when they arise, then we should be alert and vigilant to clear them up, resolve them. Another thing also that is very important is this idea of sometimes some people have a habit of, of condemning themselves, self-condemnation. This blaming and condemning is always goes on in our mind. Some, there are some people who keep blaming other people and there are others who blame themselves. So this blaming business also one should slowly become free from. That there is no one to blame. Neither I am to blame nor anyone else to blame. As we said, if I do something wrong or bad, that is not my fault, it is ignorance. If someone else does something wrong or bad, that is also their ignorance. So appreciate that all the evils are created due to ignorance. And then we shall be able to refrain from what we call condemning or blaming. So branding, that this one is responsible, this is what. So this blaming and, and condemning is something that we should stay away from. It is very difficult for us really to say what is what. In this world or creation that is mitya, you cannot really say that this is the, the reason for it or this is a cause for it, or this alone, this person alone is responsible for what is happening to me, because it's very difficult to know what that person is, and under what condition the person did what that person did, and why that person is like that. 
also he may have some other reasons also before being what he is and this uh, this blaming or condemnation is something that we should stay away from for the simple reason that even if person is bad is only because not that the person wants to be bad is because one is helplessly bad one is lying one is cheating whatever it is all of that one is doing helplessly because nobody likes to do that <clears throat> in this manner a compassion uh, is is what is required there being kind even to our own self because sometimes we are very demanding from our own self also people who are demanding are demanding all over they demand from others as well as they demand from themselves and therefore we are very often highly demanding from our own self and when we fail to meet our own image live up to our own image or when we fail to abide by our, our, our own values then the tremendous sense of rejection self rejection comes and that also is not helpful at all because that self rejection itself means that my own energy is getting exhausted away and therefore being kind to oneself not permissive but being kind so we should be alert the next time we don't do that but for what is done it is done and understand the reason for it and then let it go and then make a resolve in the mind or educate the mind as to what it should do next time and that's how you proceed <coughs> in short from the mistakes that are made by us we learn and that's it then forget about it and proceed further and instead of that instead of hanging on to them and going around again and again from the mistake we learn and proceed all of this is in short one should be constantly observing one's mind and if that constant observation is not possible at least they one should assign a time for the day when one can look at one's mind and try to understand that so understanding of one's own mind is extremely important <coughs> our mind is our friend and our own mind can be our enemy a mind that is pure or clean becomes our friend a mind that is unclean becomes our own enemy in the sense that that itself becomes a obstacle of course in order for shaucham or cleanliness of the mind it will be necessary to follow the values that were said earlier this no ahimsa satya asteya these values when they are not followed also create a sense of guilt so patanjali says there sage patanjali says that these values ahimsa satya asteya non violence truthfulness non stealing all of these values should be strictly adhered adhered to says we if we compromise those values even inwardly although outwardly i may not hurt anybody but inwardly also if i entertain thoughts of hurting if i wish ill of someone else if i either condone or support or whatever it is even you know in my own mind then also that negative thought is going to have its effect so every thought that takes place in the mind negative or positive is going to have its effect so a thought is occurred all right but when i support that thought of jealousy support i mean i want to see ill or bad happening to someone else and all those thoughts if i entertain then it is going to have an effect so this says patanjali says these are all the obstacles to knowledge etad jnanam idi proktam agnyanam yadatonyatha lord krishna says in bhagavad gita that these values such as amanatvam adambhitvam ahimsa kshantihi 
this this uh, you know humility and non-pretentiousness non-violence accommodation all of these is knowledge because ultimately that is the nature of self and therefore whenever those values are deliberately compromised then it is ignorance and therefore these values following the values clear the way for knowledge and the compromising the values only increase the obstacles so as we said all that we would work for is the removal of obstacles need not be highly concerned about the self how does it see it so remove the obstacles and what are the obstacles the obstacles beginning from grossest to the subtlest are the obstacles look at the mind and see what are the kind of thoughts that are in the mind and and seek to purify the mind and seek to get established in the values of non-violence and truthfulness and whatever let us work with those things you know sometimes these things are left as they are kept intact and we always want to work with you know meditation and samadhi and stuff like that but all of these are obstacles to the very same thing so understand that even following the values and being alert about the purity of our mind is yoga is yoga because we are working with our mind and we are uh, attempting to have maintain a certain thought flow in our mind even though the mind may not dwell upon one object in terms of yoga but even if the mind maintains a clean flow of thoughts a positive flow of thoughts that also is a great achievement and so we have to keep paying attention to the small things and if we permit those things understand that we are only increasing obstacles to the extent that we assert the values of non-violence or truthfulness to that extent we are working at removing the obstacles so removal of the obstacles is all that is required here because atma or the self is already attached and so what we are seeking is to remove the obstacles <coughs> and so shaucham or cleanliness or purity of the mind also is going to require an adherence to the values that we earlier talked about <coughs> okay we proceed further santosha santosha is contentment so yadruchchalav santushtihi alabhecha avishadah what is santosha contentment yadruchchalav santushtihi says santushtihi contentment for love or the gain by yadruchcha yadruchcha means ishwarechcha whatever lord or destiny has brings to you a satisfaction or contentment with what comes to us on its own accord <clears throat> or what comes to us as a result of the actions performed in the past that is called santosha because constantly we are greeted with situations constantly we are greeted with what we call the results of the actions that we performed in the past so whatever actions we perform all of them come to us in the form of different situations of gain and loss what is there in life is constantly gain and loss so it is said here that whatever we gain as a result of the actions performed by us and that is it, that is it whatever we gain is necessarily a gain as a result of what we done in the past and we say that the result of an action is something that is given to us by lord that's called yadruchcha yadruchcha means ishwarechcha by 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 god whatever is given to us or whatever comes to us by destiny if you want to call it so santoshah be satisfied with that alabhecha avishadah 
And if you don't get something, avishadaha. Freedom from vishada or freedom from grief. If something comes to me, I am happy with it. If something does not come to me, then not being happy. This is called santosha or contentment. And this is an excellent value which, which we can overcome this natural tendency of what we call greed. So greed is always that which we, where we want to have more and more and more. And greed is something that is opposed to this contentment. So contentment, whatever God has given me is enough. And therefore, being happy with what comes to us. <coughs> Says one verse, Aprāptam hi parityajya samprāpte samatām gadah adrushta khedā khedo yah santushtah iti kathyade. Aprāptam hi parityajya whatever does not come to us, fine. Parityajya, giving up. So giving up the demand for what does not come to us. Samprāpte samatām gadah and accepting with happiness what comes to us. After all, we have no control over what comes to us. Things just come to us. Well, why not? We demand things and we make things come to us. That's all right. What we do is make an effort. And that we should do. Suppose you want something in life which you think is required. You want something which you think is required. And as far as seeker of knowledge is concerned, we discussed in the value of aparigraha, non-possession, that one should not even seek things which are not, you know, one should only seek or ask for those things which are going to help you in your pursuit. So if you are pursuing knowledge, then you will only ask for those things which are helpful there. So you must have a body which is, you know, in reasonably good order, therefore you may seek to have things which in order to keep the body in good condition. And minimum requirements are about the food and the clothing and the shelter and so one first of all one's requirements should be minimum. If the demands or requirements are great then the chances of contentment are few. And therefore, number one, we minimize our requirement. Our requirement is knowledge. Our requirement is freedom from ignorance. And whatever is an aid to the pursuit of knowledge or acquiring knowledge becomes our requirement. And beyond that everything is a burden. And therefore First of all, we minimize our demands. And for whatever demands we do have, maybe we perform appropriate actions. So to perform an appropriate action is within our control, but whether or not the action that we perform will bring about a desired result or not is not within our control. And therefore, whatever results come as a result of the efforts made by us or the prayers made by us, we accept them happily. And this is the contentment. Of course, people always ask this question. So many people are all contented. Then how will I be progress, you know? And so this is a concern. Nobody is going to be contented anyway. This is the values meant for the students of yoga. Values meant for the students seeking knowledge. And what progress do they want to make? Here the progress that you want to make is you don't want, you want internal wealth, not external wealth. The whole idea of progress is different here. Whereas the world outside evaluates progress in terms of wealth and comfort and enjoyment and name and fame and all the material values. You on the other hand evaluate our progress with reference to what we call inner wealth, not external wealth. And what is the inner wealth? Ahimsa, 
Satya, Satya. To what extent I am non-violent, to what extent I am truthful, to what extent I am friendly, compassionate, that inner world is how we actually value our success. And for that these values are. It is possible that for acquiring external wealth, these values may be antagonistic. It's possible. That contentment may not be a good thing, because if you are discontent, then you are harder. So people seek motivation to do things out of discontentment, except that it is a vicious circle. The discontentment or greed is something that makes you work hard. And you get something and then again you are dissatisfied, and thus it's a vicious circle. But anyway, we have nothing to comment upon that. The point is that here the very criterion of success is the same. And as a matter of fact, even the outside world also, the criterion for success is really the inner wealth. Because nobody is happy because of outer wealth, one is happy only because of inner wealth. Who is a happy person? Person whose mind is clean. And if the mind is not clean, regardless of what all I have materially, I cannot be happy. Just because I have lots of music around me doesn't mean I can enjoy it. Just because I have all kinds of books with me doesn't mean I can read them or enjoy them. So to enjoy what we do have also we require a mind which is poised, mind which is abiding, mind which is happy. Then we can enjoy what we have. And then you find it need not have anything. If your mind is abiding and happy, you don't need anything to be happy because it is the disposition of mind alone which is happy. Remember, actually a person does not need anything to be happy. You may need something to be prosperous. You may need something to be famous. You don't need anything to be happy. That's why wise man is born. Who, who is he? Atmaneva, Atmanatushtaha. Who is happy with himself, by himself. So to be happy, we don't need anything. To be happy, all that we need is a, 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 a simple mind. That's all. And that is what we are talking about. And if there is a value for that, then of course there is value for what we call contentment. Knowing fully well that the outer things are not capable of giving me happiness. Why do I want things? Because I look upon them as a source of happiness. It's one thing to want, as we say, your minimum need. But beyond the minimum needs where I want things, what for do I want them? Because I look upon them as a source of happiness or security, which is, which is a false notion. So I have to make my mind see this minimizing requirement, being as simple as possible, is a parigraha. And santosha or contentment goes with that. Suppose I don't even get the minimum needs in one, then also they will say santosha, contentment. Yadrachya so, wise man, of course, is yes, sarvatrana vishneha, tattat prapta shivasuvam, nabhinnati nabdveshti, tattat prajnata vishneha. Tattat prapta shivasuvam, whatever destiny brings, which is desirable and undesirable, nabhinnati nabdveshti. One does not want to embrace and hold on to something that is desirable, or one doesn't want to reject something that is undesirable. That's the kind of balance that we seek to achieve, and in that process is what we call santosaha or contentment. So whatever destiny brings to us, being satisfied with that, in case what I wanted did not come to me, then a freedom from grief or unhappiness is what is called santosa or contentment, a great value. Contentment is a great value. Of course, you want more, then work more, but then what work will you do? Because the priorities are different here. For a person who is seeking knowledge, the priorities are different. 
that person doesn't have time to perform those kind of actions, it will bring him great wealth and things like that. And so naturally the life of this person is going to be simple. Uh, once in India, we had Swamiji was there in Ahmedabad and he went for a bhikkha. So a person was very ordinary, in fact poor. So I just warned Swamiji. I said, Swamiji, these people are, are not well to do, you know. Because you may not get the kind of treatment that you may get from well-to-do people, not that Swamiji needs it, I just say this. Swamiji says, you said is Brahmin means poor, is understood. That Brahmin means poor, means one who is actually, uh, who is uh, devoted to worship and who is devoted to study, that person is going to be poor. So you know, poverty is a, is, is a virtue, or poverty is a vow. All the renunciates, all the monks and all the traditions always take the vow of poverty. Poverty and chastity and whatever. And so, if we can be satisfied with poverty, santosha, contentment is always going to be there. And therefore, daridrata or being poor also is a virtue for a teacher of knowledge, for a student yoga. <coughs> okay, so this is santosha, contentment. And of course, it may all, you may also add into that what we call Shraddha or trust in God. That God knows what I want. And therefore, I get what is necessary for me. Therefore, what I get is enough for me. And what I don't get is not required by me. Even though I thought that I need something, it did not come. That means that I don't need it. So we trust God's judgment. Well, he's the one who is giving us constantly things. He did not give me something, that means I don't need it. He has given me something, that means I need it. Suppose he gives you something bitter, then also contentment. Maybe in that bitterness also there must be reason. Sometimes bitter medicine also is useful in order to deal with some disease. So whatever good and bad keeps on coming, it all comes from God. And therefore we have faith in him, or Shraddha, that whatever he does must be right, and therefore it must be proper in that spirit we accept. <coughs> So basically, santosha or contentment is that which is supposed to greed, that's all. If the mind is greedy, that mind will always think of things that it doesn't have and will never have time to think of the self, think of it. So, Santarajava says, Mūda jahi dhanāgama trishnā. Say, Mūda, Mūda means so, misguided one. Dhanāgama trishnā jahi hi. You give that craving for the wealth. Only when your mind is free from that craving, Kuru Sadbuddhim Manase Vitrushnam, then alone your mind will be focused upon the self. Yallabase Nidhikaramapatam Vittam. Whatever wealth and comfort, etc., you gain as a result of your honest effort, Pena Vinoda Vittam. May you keep yourself happy and may you be satisfied with whatever you get as a result of your honest effort. <coughs> so all of this is Santosham. Okay, then we go to next is tapaha. Tapaha is austerity. <coughs> there is a statement which says tapona nashanat param. Anashanam. Ashanam means eating. Anashanam is not eating. It is said that there is no greater austerity than not eating. Not eating what? Then the commentator explains, Kama Anasanam. Not eating means abstinence from 
not even abstaining from karma or pleasure. So tapaha or austerity really is abstinence from the sense pleasure. That is the greatest austerity, tapaha. <coughs> And of course, that has to, as best as possible, in austerity, tapaha, or penance, as best as possible, we should stay away from a, a repression or a suppression. The value here is for a discipline that is born as a result of conviction. Very often in austerities or penances that we perform, the vows that they take, sometimes they are not taken with a proper understanding and therefore a lot of repression comes. The desires or needs are repressed and not expressed outwardly. And there is a self-denial to the extent of repression. So tapaha or austerity involves a self-denial. But a self-denial that is born of conviction. That I am convinced that a given thing is, should be denied. I am convinced that I should become free from a given dependence. Understand that all pleasures at the level of sense only represents my dependence. The pleasures are those which make me addicted to them, which make me dependent upon them, and ultimately I am enslaved by them. So, to the extent that we understand that seeking pleasure from anything is a kind of bondage, is a, is a dependence and therefore bondage. And therefore becoming free from pleasure seeking is, is freedom. If I am convinced about it, then slowly and slowly I will wish to make myself free from any pleasure-seeking or any indulgence. That is tapaha or austerity. Of course, austerity is to be performed at different levels. And Lord Krishna talks about yoga in Bhagavad Gita, saying that the one who does not have this discipline, he can never be yogi. Natyas natasprayogosti so one who is eating too much, for him there is no yoga. One who is eating too much, for him there is no yoga. On the other hand, if there is someone who totally denies also food, for him also there is no yoga. If eating too much, meaning a lot of energy being spent in digestion, etc., and energy not being available for brain or for thinking, and it all increases only, uh, you know, the, the tamas in the body, and tamas in the body is tamas in the mind, and therefore eating too much is not possible. Yogi cannot, I mean, yogi cannot afford to eat too much. But then if you don't eat at all, well, that's another extreme. Because food is required to maintain the level of energy and give the basic nourishment to the body. And so, what is required to maintain the energy and nourishment should be taken. At the same time, what is not necessary should be avoided. This is called moderation. So, moderation in food. Lord Krishna says, if one sleeps too much, then also yoga is not possible. If one does not sleep at all, then also yoga is not possible. Because both are required in the body, shrama and vishrama. It is necessary that in our life, that's for the balance of exertion as well as rest. 
So sleep is required to give body and mind a rest. But too much of it makes a person lazy and lethargic. And too little of it makes a person weak. And then mind becomes also out of lack of rest, becomes restless. And therefore moderation sleep, moderation eating. Yukta har viharasya, yukta cheshtasya karmaso. Says Lord Krishna, in ahara, meaning in food, vihara, in movement, in cheshta, in different activities. So in all of these, a person should have moderation. And in 17th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna talks of tapaha or austerity at three levels. Austerity at the level of body, austerity at the level of speech, and austerity at the level of mind. What is austerity at the level of body? Lord Krishna says, Devad Dvija Guru Pragna Poojanam Sauch Marjavam Brahmacharya Mahimsacha Shariram Tapochade. This is the austerity at the level of body. Is Devad Dvija Guru Pragna Poojanam. Worshipping, worshipping and serving. Worshipping and serving Deva, meaning the deity or God. Dvija, Dvija means Brahmins, the people who are pure. People who are good, Dvija, Guru, teacher, and Pragna, the wise. So, worshipping and serving the Devatas means God, Brahmins meaning the people who are devoted to learning, then Guru, the teacher, and Pragna, the wise. Serving these people, worshipping, this is one austerity at the level of body. So austerity of level of body is not merely denial of food, etc., but then using the body properly. So where is the energy of the body to be utilized? In this serving, number one, shaucham, then cleanliness of the body, and the clothes, and the things surrounding me, that's another uh, discipline or austerity at the level of body. Arjavam, says Lord Krishna, even being straightforward, being honest. So straightforwardness or honesty also is the discipline of the body. Or arjavam can also be said to be rajuta. Means the body is supple, you know. Meaning keeping the body supple by way of perhaps yogasana and certain basic exercise also. Brahmacharyam. Brahmacharyam means continence. Also is a discipline in the level of body. And ahimsa, non-violence. So not hurting. How does that become discipline at the level of body? Being careful, being alert about the actions I perform by, by at the level of body. Very often when we are not careful, we wind up hurting many small insects and creatures and things like that, you know. While walking on the road or while doing things, when we are not careful about our actions at the level of body, very often we wind up hurting. And therefore, being gentle and so ahimsa, ahimsa means Non-violence, non-hurting at the level of body. Brahmacharya, continence, or let us say overall self-control. And thirdly, serving and serving the teacher, God and whatever. So all of this is said to be the discipline at the level of body, the austerity of the body. Lord Krishna does not talk of fasting and things like that. But talks of properly utilizing the body. That is the austerity at the level of body. The austerity that Lord Krishna talks about is a proper utilization, really, rather than any kind of a denial. But naturally, even you want to utilize your body in a proper way, that you have to 
deny the body some other indulgences. So if you want to spend your time in worshipping God or serving teacher or the wise man, then naturally you have to take the time out from elsewhere. Or if you want to be sure of non-violence, the level of body, you have to be alert. And brahmacharya, the continence, self-control. So all of this is properly utilizing the body. Then what's the level of, what's the austerity of the level of speech? Anudvega karamvakyam satyam priyahitam chayat swadhyaya bhisanam chayva vangmayam tapauchyate. There are also proper utilization of speech. Swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means repetition of scriptures or repeating a mantra or doing your chanting. So Swadhyaya means repeating the holy name or repeating the holy mantras or repeating the scriptures is called Swadhyaya. That's where you utilize your speech. Abhyasanam, constant repetition. <coughs> singing the song, I mean singing devoted, devotional song, whatever you like to do. So engaging the speech in singing the glory of the Lord, that is called the austerity of speech. And that is what should be done. And then what should not be done also Lord Krishna says, Anudvega karam vakyam. Your vakya or the word should be Anudvega karam, something that does not disturb the other person. So austerity of speech is, when I speak, then I make sure that by my words, the feelings of other person are not heard. Udvega. Udvega means being perturbed. So my words do not disturb or perturb somebody. Satyam, whatever I say, is satyam truthful. So truthfulness is austerity of speech. Priyam. Priyam means pleasant. So talking that which is pleasant also is austerity of speech. Sometimes when you speak truth, and if it is unpleasant, it is not right. So truth also should be spoken, at the same time, it should be spoken in a pleasant manner. And hitam, hitam is that which is beneficial. So talking only what is necessary and beneficial. So only talk as much as is necessary or beneficial. And when you do talk, make sure that your words are pleasant. And when they are pleasant simultaneously, they are truthful. And also, that they do not hurt anybody. So, this kind of speech, of course, complete maunam meaning observing silence also is an austerity of speech. But then Lord Krishna, instead of observing silence, which is easier, but being alert about our words of speech and using them properly is in fact more difficult because it requires more alertness. <coughs> Making sure that what I speak truth which is pleasant, beneficial, non-hurting, that's going to require a lot of carefulness about my words. <coughs> <coughs> and then, a uh, lot of our speech is cut off. You see, when we try to observe this criteria, then you find that about 80% of your speech is cut off. Because what you are going to say, is it needed? If not needed, don't talk. And what I'm going to talk is going to be pleasant, then talk. Otherwise, don't talk. Is it truthful? Then talk. Is it going to hurt somebody? So when you, when you apply this criteria, then we find that most of the things are not necessary. Then what do you do with your speech? Then that energy should be utilized. Understand that talking takes a lot of energy. 
And when you save that energy, utilize that energy in terms of repeating God's name, singing His glories, doing your chanting and whatever it is, that will be the austerity of speech. <coughs> and thirdly, Lord Krishna also talks about austerity of mind. That we already talked, Manaf prasada saumyatvam maunamatma vinigraha bhavasam shuddhirityedada tapo manasamuchyade Manaf prasadam Manaf prasada is the cheerfulness of the mind or purity of the mind which we already talked about, talked about in Shaucham. Purity of the mind. And when the mind is pure, mind is happy or cheerful. Manaf prasadaha. Saumyatvam. Saumyata. Saumyata means uh, being gentle. So gentleness of the mind. Our mind, the thoughts or our attitude should be saumyatvam, gentleness. <coughs> Maunam, silence. Silence at the level of mind is a great discipline. Silence at the level of speech, of course, is a discipline, okay? But silence at the level of mind is what Lord Krishna... Or maunam can be also interpreted more as contemplation. Mananam means contemplation. So dwelling or contemplating upon the scriptures is maunam. That is a discipline of the mind. Atma vinigraha, self-control, control over the senses is also a discipline of the mind. Bhavasamshuddhi and purity of your intentions. So, your intentions, purity of your intentions is called Bhavasamshuddhi. So, cheerfulness of the mind, Manaprasadaha, Saumitvam, gentleness, kindness, Maunam, contemplativeness, thoughtfulness, Atmanigraha, control over the senses. And bhava samshuddhi, a purity of our intentions, this is the discipline at the level of mind. Discipline austerity. Thus, Lord Krishna, in the 17th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, talks of these three kinds of austerities. Austerity at the level of body, austerity at the level of speech, and austerity at the level of mind. This is the tapaha. Shaucha santosha tapaha. <coughs> Kechittu manasaschendriyanam cha haikagram paramuntabhaityadityadi uktalakshanam tapah ahuhu. And so, anyway, very often tapas is said to be the concentration of the mind. But that concentration of the mind is going to be talked about in later on, in dharana, dhyana, and therefore, here tapah is not interpreted as concentration of the mind. But basically, tapas is also defined as concentrating the mind on a given thing. And it is said that by tapas or these austerities or penances, one can attain. So in India, I think in all traditions, but so much so in, in India, in our scriptural literature you find a great emphasis on this tapas. All the sages and all the rishis of the past, all of them were great tapasvis. They go to the forest and live there for years together and performing the penances. In terms of uh, constantly repeating name of God or meditating upon God in this performing finances, denying them themselves food. So there are many instances where people go, devotees go and do these penances in order to please God or in order to achieve what they want to achieve by pleasing God. 
And so there is a little boy, Dhruva, his name was, just a five-year-old boy, and uh, he went to the forest because he wanted to see God. And so he goes to forest and then that's it. And he had no other distraction in his mind, therefore his mind was totally focused upon meditation. And then he was sitting there and then for some time he did it and still God was not pleased, so he stood, started standing. So first he denied himself, he was, must have been eating, I think, once a day and then eating, uh, you know, even alternate day and then giving up that also, he gave up food completely and then he was just living on fruits and whatever and then that also he gave up and then he was living only on leaves and that also he gave up and living merely on water and that also he gave up merely living on air. So these descriptions of tapas or penances we find all throughout in the in the scriptural literature and the Puranas in India. And so it is said that there is nothing that one cannot attain as a result of tapas, as a result of austerity. Austerity requires a total commitment of the mind for a particular end. It should be a noble goal. There were Rakshasas also, the demons also perform tapas. Like Ravana, all of these demons also perform great tapas, except that because their intentions were not pure, they, they did, that tapas or penance did generate a lot of strength, but it was all negative strength. And so even negative strength also is a result of penance, but penance performed with impure intentions. When penance was performed with pure intentions, it resulted into seeing God. And therefore, all of these greatest achievements in life are a result of penance. This tapas or penance and of course, austerity, but more than that, dependence should also be a way of life. So, Sage Patanjali says, Tapaha is also should become uh, a way of our life. <coughs> okay, we will continue tomorrow. Om Puranamada Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyate Puranasya Puranamadaya Puranameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om